perioperative nursing management of donor and recipient patients undergoing face transplantation by Nicole Sweeney and others. Abstract. Individuals with debilitating facial injuries and deformities have achieved significant improvement of aesthetic form and function after undergoing a face transplant. The involvement of surgical technologists and perioperative nurses in the care of the recipient and donor plays a critical role in the success of these procedures. There are unique challenges that staff members may be presented with when caring for a donor and recipient undergoing a face transplantation, including less comfort with and knowledge of the surgical procedure and instrumentation, an increased amount of equipment and personnel in the OR, donor and recipient admission and discharge care, and increased shift length. At New York University Langone Medical Center, New York, we have developed a comprehensive process to prepare staff members to care for patients undergoing face transplantation. In 2005, the first clinical face transplantation occurred in Amiens, France, and since then, approximately 35 face transplantations have been performed worldwide. Face transplantation, a form of vascularized composite allotransplantation, VCA, is the process of identifying a compatible donor and transplanting multiple tissues, including bone, muscle, nerves, and skin, as one subunit to repair the aesthetic form and function of the recipient's face during a single procedure. Traditional reconstructive surgery for patients with craniofacial and maxillofacial deformities caused by congenital abnormalities, trauma, or cancer typically involve multiple-stage procedures resulting in less-than-ideal outcomes, which may include inadequate corneal protection, deficient oral competence, and unfavorable aesthetics including scarring, as well as mismatched skin color, texture, and thickness. Previous recipients of face transplants have sustained injuries from animal attacks, ballistics or burns, or have congenital deformities such as neurofibromatosis. Face transplantation has provided patients with a chance to achieve social reintegration with improved facial aesthetics, motor function, and sensation via a single-stage procedure. Although research has shown this procedure to be technically and ethically feasible, concerns remain related to the potential complications because this is considered a life-improving rather than a life-saving transplantation. Complications from face transplantation may include loss of the transplanted graft, infection, acute or chronic rejection, and metabolic disorders. Similar to solid organ transplant recipients, patients receiving a face transplant are required to undergo immunosuppressive therapy for life, thus placing an otherwise healthy individual at risk for developing complications associated with the corresponding medications. These risks may include infection, malignancy, hyperglycemia, hypertension, and renal insufficiency. Immunosuppression can be divided into induction and maintenance therapies. Induction therapy is used to prevent acute rejection in the immediate postoperative period and is usually achieved with a combination of thymoglobulin, tecrolimus, and low-dose prednisone. If appropriate, the transplantation team at New York University Langone Medical Center, NYU LMC, New York, adds brixtuximab to the immunosuppression induction therapy protocol. Rituximab is a monoclonal antibody that has successfully demonstrated prevention of rejection in kidney transplant recipients. The team makes this decision based on the level of recipient and donor compatibility determined through histocompatibility testing. A postoperative immunosuppressive maintenance regimen may include use of a low-dose steroid such as prednisone, calcineurin inhibitors, 
such as tacrolimus, and an inhibitor of T-negative and B-negative cell proliferation, such as mycophenolate. Although episodes of acute rejection are common, it is crucial for patients to maintain medication compliance for life to prevent chronic rejection and ultimate allograft failure. To identify an appropriate candidate, the patient selection process must be rigorous and should involve a comprehensive evaluation by members of a multidisciplinary face transplantation team that includes surgeons, nurses, immunologists, infectious disease specialists, ethicists, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, and respiratory speech, physical, and occupational therapies. Donors and recipients must meet certain criteria to be considered for face transplantation. These criteria may vary from institution to institution and from patient to patient. For instance, at NYU LMC, facial VCA donors must be declared to have died from brain death rather than cardiac death to maintain oxygenated blood flow to the organs and tissues being considered for transplantation. A potential donor also must be compatible with the recipient in terms of gender and approximate age, height, weight, facial measurements, and skin tone. To be a candidate, a recipient must have extensive tissue damage and have exhausted all conventional reconstructive surgical options. Recipient exclusion criteria may include significant comorbidities, pregnancy, risk of malignancy from immunosuppressive therapy, or high likelihood of noncompliance with postoperative requirements, especially immunosuppressive medications. Only a small number of face transplantations have been performed to date, so literature addressing the perioperative nursing care of patients undergoing face transplantation is limited. After receiving Institutional Review Board approval in 2014, personnel at NYU LMC developed a face transplantation program. Perioperative personnel created a multidisciplinary team and an outline of donor and recipient patient nursing care that encompasses pre-admission, admission, intraoperative discharge, and post-discharge care. Using the perioperative personnel's breadth of knowledge about caring for patients undergoing solid organ transplantation and head and neck microvascular free flap and craniofacial surgery, the team formulated a plan that focused on all phases of perioperative care for the donor and recipient patients. Perioperative team preparation. Nursing staff members from both the post-anesthesia care unit, PACU, and the OR participated in monthly face transplantation team meetings and contributed to defining patient flow as well as preoperative, intraoperative, and postoperative protocols and clinical pathways for caring for donor and recipient patients. Managers asked nurses and surgical technologists to volunteer to take part in the care of these patients, and they selected team members based on their level of expertise. For example, PACU nursing staff members required flat management, cardiovascular care, and critical care experience. After the team placed the recipient on the transplant waiting list, the perioperative nursing teams had an opportunity to meet with the patient. This meeting established the nurse-patient relationship, an integral partnership needed to guarantee safe and effective management of the physical and psychosocial challenges that might arise during the patient's postoperative recovery. Nurse educators identified additional education competencies and the selected staff members attended educational sessions that focused on the care of the donor and the recipient. Members of Live on NY, the organ procurement organization of the Greater New York Metropolitan Area, provided regular lectures on the donor referral process and the management of donor patients who had been declared brain dead.
nurse practitioners also provided educational sessions addressing the perioperative management of the recipient. These sessions covered a review of the face transplantation clinical pathway, immunosuppressive and medication therapies relevant for transplant recipients, best practice updates regarding tracheostomy care, a review of microvascular free flap management, and care of donors and recipients undergoing face transplantation. The nursing team developed a resource binder that included the face transplantation clinical pathway, competency checklists, relevant literature, lecture material provided at the educational sessions, and tip sheets for anticipated equipment. Nurse educators reviewed this binder monthly to help ensure the content was current and accurate, and they kept an educational tracking dashboard in the binder to identify staff members who maintained competency. This binder also helped ensure that the appropriate resources were available for nursing documentation in the electronic medical record. For example, a nurse could check medication orders for completeness based on the face transplantation clinical pathway. The nurse educators used staff member contributions as well as charting templates to establish electronic medical record charting, which was comprehensive for the care of face transplant donors and recipients. Using a method similar to that for choosing PACU staff members for the team, Managers asked OR staff members to volunteer for the face transplantation team and created a team consisting of surgical technologists and RNs from these volunteers. Managers selected team members based on their previous experience in plastic surgery and their comfort level with microsurgery, solid organ procurement and transplantation, and endoscopic and open vascular procedures. They assigned staff members to either the donor or the recipient OR to ensure that each room contained a balance of team members were confident in caring for the patients and working as a team. In addition to the specific surgical specialty experience, face transplantation team members also needed to have experience with covering overnight call. Of the initial volunteers, 22 possessed the necessary skill sets and experience to fulfill the requirements. The identification of an appropriate donor could take time, so educators provided brief monthly in-service sessions for all face transplantation team members. During these sessions, Educators emphasize the level of commitment required for these procedures and the need for patient confidentiality and inform the team of any relevant updates to the workflow. The team developed a phone and text chain and tested it periodically to ensure contact information for team members was accurate. The team identified and defined the intraoperative needs of the recipient patients. These needs required team member adherence to the following tenets. Ensuring patient safety and privacy. Preventing pressure injuries through the use of specialty gel mattress pads and tilting, for example, left side down, right side down, of the OR bed every two hours when appropriate to alleviate pressure points, providing deep vein thrombosis prophylaxis, administering medications, including immunosuppressive induction therapy, procuring blood products and intraoperative laboratory test results, and adhering to AOR and intraoperative care guidelines. The team also identified and defined the interoperative needs of the donor patients. These needs required team member adherence to the following tenets. Ensuring patient safety and privacy. Procuring blood products and intraoperative laboratory test results. Administering medications. Ensuring a dedicated scrub person for face procurement upon initiation of solid organ procurement to prevent contamination and providing post-mortem care. The team also identified different scenarios of donor or recipient decompensation, such as airway or cardiac emergencies or excessive acute blood loss. 
and created appropriate emergency action plans. They also reviewed and rehearsed fire safety action plans. Team rehearsals. To limit graft ischemia time, the team deemed it most effective to perform the donor and recipient patient preparation simultaneously using two surgical teams. The layout of our OR suites and the complexity of these surgical procedures led us to plan for the use of two of the largest rooms that are adjoined by a substerile area. Before performing our first face transplantation, the team conducted multiple cadaver rehearsals as well as patient-specific procurement procedures on a donor for whom consent was obtained for organ donation for research purposes. To enable the surgeons and interoperative nursing and surgical technologist teams to practice and fine-tune the skills needed for the planned procedures. The research procurement allowed for patient-specific face transplantations rehearsed on cadavers to be performed under real-time conditions. The teams were briefed before each practice run and debriefed afterward about what went well, ways they could improve, and the plan moving forward. All team members were required to attend cadaver rehearsals, which occurred primarily on the weekends. The team chose captains for the donor OR and the recipient OR teams. The face transplantation team captains and OR leaders vetted all questions and suggestions related to intraoperative surgical workflow. The respective team captains managed the administration of all blood products and medications and handled intraoperative orders. Procedure Scheduling Several plastic surgeons would be involved in the face transplantations, so a plan to accommodate any displaced elective procedures was needed. Managers created a tentative plan for placement of the procedures on the surgical schedule, which might be delayed or postponed in the event that the face transplantation occurred during elective surgical block time. Managers created a schedule that consisted of 8, 12, and 16-hour shifts and closely followed AORN's position statement on perioperative safe staffing and on-call practices. They integrated breaks based on the similarity of the team members' skill sets and timing of the anticipated progress during the procedures. Procedure Preparation To help determine what instrumentation would be needed, the lead attending surgeon discussed his previous experience with face transplantation and the current surgical practices of the plastic surgery service. Materials management personnel purchased multiple sets of instruments specific to face transplantations and organized them based on the anticipated needs of the donor and recipient procedures. These instrument sets consisted of specific instrumentation for soft and hard tissue craniofacial surgery, microsurgery, vascular surgery, and open heart and open abdominal surgery for solid organ procurement. The team coordinated the purchase of sterile supplies and carts and determined their storage location based on the proximity to the designated ORs. They also created periodic automatic replenishment levels for these items. The team created a calendar to help ensure that personnel maintained supplies, checked expiration dates, and replaced or adjusted replenishment levels after cadaver practice and after any transplantation. The team evaluated equipment needs, such as electrosurgery units, fiber optic light sources, and surgical furniture, and no purchases were deemed necessary. There was a potential need for duplicate equipment, however, because two ORs would be running simultaneously. During discussions after cadaver rehearsals, the team determined that neither additional purchases nor loaner equipment would be necessary. The team formulated diagrams of each OR and mapped the room setup based on the required number of staff members, the equipment, patient position, and the ability to maintain high-level function and sterility. 
They determine the placement and movement of equipment based on the position of each OR's entrance and exit and the times at which the equipment would be used during the procedures. Developing surgeon and procedure preference lists was another important aspect of preparation. Team members wrote specific, detailed instructions and preference lists for donor procurement and face transplantations. Team members updated these reference lists with relevant information obtained from the cadaveric transplantation rehearsals. Lastly, hospital security personnel monitored the number of staff members in proximity to the face transplantation ORs to maintain patient confidentiality, limit traffic, and allow the team members to focus on the care of their patients. Patient care of donors and recipients. Patient care begins with the admission of both the donor and the recipient patients. The face transplantation team, along with the perioperative services personnel, coordinated the admission of both the donor and recipient to maintain patient privacy and limit downtime. Admission. Before surgery, the team established that the donor would most likely be transferred from an outside institution. Based on this knowledge, the team admitted the donor patient directly into the PACU because of its close proximity to the OR, which would allow close nursing assessment should the patient become hemodynamically unstable. After admission, the manager assigned two PACU nursing staff members to the donor patient to coordinate care between the surgical and anesthesia teams and the live-on-NY transplant coordinators. These nurses monitor IV lines in the patient's hemodynamic status, collect blood work, and maintain the patient's privacy. Collaboration of care with LiveOnNY and the face transplantation team allows for smooth admission and subsequent transfer to the OR. After a safe PACU admission of the donor, the team admitted the recipient to a private room on NYU LMC's transplantation unit. The team had taken steps to allow for a direct patient admission of the recipient to avoid delays, including pre-registration into the electronic medical record system through our institution's patient access department. Managers assigned one nurse to each recipient because of the potential for a long admission process and the need for patient privacy. Preoperative care. The preoperative clinical needs of a brain-dead patient scheduled for donation of a face and potentially solid organs can be complex and may include monitoring of hemodynamic status, maintaining medication drips and ventilator settings, coordinating care with live-on-NY transplant coordinators in the face transplantation team, assisting with supplies needed for obtaining facial impression of the donor for fabrication of a silicon replica mask by the face transplantation team's anaplastologist, and reviewing recent laboratory results and obtaining any necessary laboratory tests, including arterial blood gas measurement, complete blood count with differential, complete metabolic tests, liver function tests, confirmation of blood typing and screening, sputum cultures, and urine cultures. As with a donor, the preoperative clinical needs of a patient receiving a face transplant are also complex and may include determining whether the anesthesia professional and surgeon have obtained informed consents, checking that the patient has completed advanced directives, documenting the patient's cardiac arrest protocol status in the electronic medical record, validating that blood typing and screening have been performed, reviewing recent laboratory results, including complete blood count with differential, complete metabolic tests, liver function tests, prothrombin time, international normalized ratio, and hemoglobin A1c results, serum human chorionic gonadotropin levels if the patient is female and of childbearing age, and electrocardiogram results in the presence of chest x-rays. 
inserting required IV lines, and administering preoperative medication. After the nurses complete the preoperative phase, they can safely transfer the recipient patient to the OR when appropriate. Intraoperative care. Procurement of the donor's face began concurrently with the preparation of the recipient's face in the two adjoining ORs. This simultaneous preparation allows for effective communication between the two teams, as well as a smooth transition of the donor's face to the recipient and limitation of graft ischemia time. Donor face procurement began before the usual solid organ procurement because of the need to maintain perfusion to the VCA. The team monitored the donor's hemodynamic status, and if at any point they noted decompensation, the procurement of life-saving organs would take precedence over facial procurement. The total length of the transplantation was approximately 26 hours, with facial VCA procurement taking approximately 12 hours. In addition to the donor's face, the donor team procured the heart, liver, kidneys, corneas, bone, and skin to be used for other transplantation candidates. Postoperative care. Special postoperative care is required for both the donors and the recipients. Such care is outlined in the following text. Postmortem donor care and discharge. Perioperative RNs, surgical technologists, and patient care technologists carried out postmortem care of the donor, which can include removing tubes, IV lines and dressings, washing the body, and applying a shroud. This type of care was completed in the donor OR before the patient transferred to the hospital morgue. The team followed NYU LMC's institutional process standards, and a live-on-NY transplant coordinator was present to assist if needed. Before transferring the donor from the OR to the morgue, the silicone replica mass fabricated from the facial impression obtained during the preoperative phase was placed over the donor's face to respectfully restore the donor's appearance before family viewing. Although the donor's family may not always be present, a patient relations representative and a designated nurse liaison were available to assist the family if necessary. After completion of postmortem care and discharge from the OR, the PACU staff members coordinated and ensured transfer of the donor to the morgue where the body was retrieved by the medical examiner or funeral home personnel. Recipient Care and Discharge The recipient's PACU admission began with a traditional handover report between the RN circulators and the PACU nurses and included clear communication of the operative course of events, concerns, the treatment plan, and an opportunity for questions. The face transplantation team, including the lead attending surgeon, transplantation surgeon, nurse practitioner, transplant coordinator, and anesthesia professionals, reviewed the plan of care with the intensivist, and PACU nursing staff members at the time of the recipient's admission. Transplantation patients are at risk for organ rejection. As a result, these patients must continue an anti-rejection and immunosuppressant regimen immediately after surgery. The risk of rejection requires PACU nurses to be vigilant in recognizing the signs and symptoms of transplantation and postoperative complications, which may include bleeding, venous compromise, pain, and hemodynamic instability, as well as signs of acute rejection, such as edema and erythema. During educational sessions, nursing educators had provided staff members with information about the medications used during induction therapy and which ones would be continued postoperatively. Chemotherapy-certified nurses, who were familiar with administering potentially toxic medications, were present to assist PACU nursing staff members. Postoperative care of the face transplant recipient 
may include maintaining hemodynamic stability, maintaining ventilator settings, administering medications, obtaining laboratory blood tests, monitoring for graft viability by accessing capillary refill and appearance, and monitoring external skin Doppler signals over vessel anamostosis if present, and evaluating for potential postoperative complications, including acute rejection, excessive bleeding, and venous compromise. In addition to carrying out a complex postoperative care plan, PACU nurses provided the patient and family with emotional support and promoted family involvement. The team's social worker and mental health care providers were also available. For example, as a result of substantial postoperative edema, nurses explained to the family the barriers to patient communication that would be present during the initial postoperative period and suggested alternate methods of communication to maintain effective interaction and patient satisfaction. These alternative methods included use of a dry erase board, as well as a specialized tablet application for routinely used phrases, such as pain, bathroom, family, and physician, which the team speech pathologist educates recipients about before surgery. The high level of interest related to this surgery led us to take precautionary measures to provide patient and family privacy and security as otherwise needed. Security personnel remained at the bedside throughout the patient's PACU stay, and their presence continued throughout the remainder of the patient's hospital admission. This security helped ensure that the nurses could focus all of their efforts on delivering quality patient care. To maintain continuity of care, the nursing staff members received overtime pay so that the same nursing team delivered care to the recipient throughout admission. During the preparation for transfer of the patient to the surgical intensive care unit, a nurse in this unit overlapped his or her shift with a PACU nurse to become familiar with the care of the recipient. To assist with a comfortable adjustment to the transplanted face, face transplantation team members were present during the patient's and family's initial viewing. Length of inpatient stay and rehabilitation is patient-specific and varies based on the complexity of the transplantation, need for revision surgeries, and overall patient convalescence. What we learned. This was the first face transplantation at NYU LMC based on patient-specific needs, so the team deviated from the face transplant recipient clinical pathway to provide tailored patient care. Constant communication and a tremendous amount of support for the PACU and surgical intensive care unit nurses addressed questions and concerns regarding changes to the plan of care, such as induction therapy medication scheduling was different than the pathway indicated, care providers extubated and assisted the recipient out of bed sooner than what was described in the clinical pathway. The transplantation team provided perioperative nurses with direct contact information for all critical members of the face transplantation team and encouraged them to contact these members if they had any questions or concerns. The absence of skin Doppler signal points for the assessment of blood flow was one element of variance the face transplantation team discussed during the OR to PACU handover. In this instance, team members based allograph assessment on direct visual inspection and the skin's capillary refill rather than Doppler readings, which emphasized the importance of clear communication during shift changes and continuity in nursing care to accurately assess the transplantation. Practice runs on cadavers, as well as on the donor who gave consent for research purposes, proved invaluable when determining instrumentation, supplies, equipment, room setup, patient flow, and staffing needs. Without teamwork and practice, the transplantation would not have been successful. Although this did not occur, one potential outcome that the team did not address during the planning phase 
was the possibility of the recipient needing to return to the OR emergently as a result of postoperative complications, such as hematoma evacuation, vascular complications, or graft demise. In planning for future face transplantations, one RN circulator and one scrub person will be on-site overnight to provide care if a recipient must return to the OR. Conclusion Perioperative preparedness is paramount to the success of face transplantation. Determining an organized plan of action and assigning appropriate staff-to-patient ratios for the preoperative, intraoperative, and postoperative phases of care for both the donor and the recipient are crucial. The success of our face transplantation program at NYU LMC is a result of clear communication, efficient teamwork, continuity of care, and the continued dedication of our perioperative staff members and face transplantation team. We believe that our commitment and intense preparation process will further enhance our face transplantation program and allow us to continue to assist other patients during this challenging journey.